Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 94 is, well, the main creative force behind this very podcast is Jay Taylor. Hey, how you doing? Welcome back. It's been a while, I think, hasn't it? Since yeah, it has you... a bit, yeah. Mm. Yes. So uh, we've done quite a few uh, exciting shows with with uh, cool name guests and composers recently, and we had a special 1990 show uh, for number 90. Uh, so we just thought we'd have for 94 just a nice regular uh, me and you sit around, listen to some tunes that you've picked, plus some uh, mm. listener requests as well, because we haven't perhaps featured enough of those recently as well. Um, and also it gives you a chance, because I know you've been playing uh, a certain game that we've just <laughs> heard a piece from quite a bit in, in your usual style, which is that you get a game that you like and you play the the living uh, Shinola out of it. And uh, that has been Horizon Zero Dawn. So... Uh, well, tell us first about the piece of music that we started with, Alloy's theme. To anybody who's seen any of the trailers in the sort of run-up to the release of the game will recognise that piece of music because it is kind of, it's kind of the default theme. Mm. There's, it, it's um, in particular with Julie Elvin's vocals on that, you'll find various sort of, um, various sort of compositions of that theme throughout the soundtrack in general. Um but it's just, it's just a beautiful piece of music. The way 
uh, sort of just her sort of ethereal vocals on that stuff are, are just great, and they fit with the game so well. Strangely, um, she has an appropriate name, uh, Elven. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Alloy, the player character. Forgive me, I have not played Horizon yet. Oh, you definitely should. I definitely fact, want yeah. to, but uh, think, yeah, I'm still knee deep in uh, Breath of the Wild at the moment. Yeah, we're up to our eyes in no end of tiles at the moment. I know we? it's so, amazing. Alloy is. Um, is the sort of principal protagonist in the in the game, um, and a game that is, yeah, has blown my mind to be quite honest. Mm. Um, it's it's one of those things where like every now and again, and I'm I'm guessing this is like with you and Breath of the Wild. Every now and again, a bo- a game will come along that will just tick all the right boxes for you, and you know. I've been like recently. There's been no shortage of games that have done this for me. Like The Witcher, The Witcher Three was another game that like just sucked me in, and, and I couldn't not play it. You know, mm. I couldn't like just for for literally months solid, just doing nothing but playing The Witcher. And um, Horizon Zero Dawn was another game that did exactly the same thing. Just everything that I like about these kind of open world games, this had it. You know, it's it just. I found myself just as as anybody who's followed me on Twitter will know from my Twitter feed, just endless uh, things from what is to my favorite to date uh, photo mode in mm. a video game. Um, it's just everything. Uh, just we talked yeah. uh, we talked about the photo mode in our Uncharted Four Thief's End podcast, and uh, mm. one of our correspondents, uh, Thomas, who's been a guest on here before, was talking about how he ended up with a uh, a library of. 1,300 odd <laughs> photos from Uncharted 4, which, as <clears throat> anyone who's played it will will probably agree, is a is a fairly astonishing looking game. Now, I haven't seen Horizon in the flesh yet. I've seen your your uh, your photo scrapbook, and mm. uh, and obviously it's very appealing. I think um, one of the things about Breath of the Wild is that it's uh, it it its beauty is is very real when you're in it but it doesn't translate mm. so well to um to still screenshots because so much of it is to do with the the atmosphere and and the movement and and the music whereas the the PlayStation 4 uh, and and Gorilla's mm. uh artistic and technical achievements are even apparent in in static shots mm. uh, and yeah how many so how many uh, how many shots do you reckon you've taken are they are they clogging up your hard drive well, I've uh, I went through because I was also doing clips as well because there's like yeah so I, I was saving little moments that I found amusing and also the facial animation. Now I saw people questioning mm. this stuff at the start, like saying mm. it was off and and the and, acting and, and, as well generally. Yeah, now I I wholeheartedly disagree with. Are you it, just but, being sycophantic? Well, this is what like yeah, that, <laughs> I, I mean everybody's going to have their own opinion on this, but I saved clips where I'm looking at the facial animation on mm. these clips and thinking like where what's there to criticize with this stuff? Like right. this this is like really impressive technically. It's mm. like, you know, and we're at that level now with games like Uncharted 4 and stuff where facial sort of animators are really excelling at what they do. And it's, you know, I, I don't know. Like, it can be a combination of things, can't it? It's like the voice acting mixed with the facial animation and, and all that kind of thing, you know, affects how you perceive this stuff. But to me, the thing that really sort of struck home was for the majority of characters, the lip syncing mm. and the way they mouth the words when they're speaking was like, even games that I really admire, like, um, and I'm probably going to mention that. Well, I'm definitely going to mention The Witcher a lot in this show because we're doing a track from the, the soundtrack later. But it's, um, 
you know, even games like that, they didn't, they don't come quite as close to this. So I've been capturing loads of clips of this to sort of have as a sample box of like, you know, to basically throw a, a YouTube <laughs> link at people who dismiss it. It's like, there you go, <laughs> stick that in your pipe and smoke it. But um, mm. so in the other day I had to go through because it was about 20 gigs worth of stuff <laughs> in terms of photographs. I mean, a thousand photographs, man, that's 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 a lot i mean even in my most obsessive moments i've only got like 93 and of those there's only about half of those that are ones i'm willing to do what you often find is you'll take multiple pictures and because uh horizon has this sort of day and you can change the time of day on a slider you'll tend to yeah, do like three or four cool shots idea. with different lighting setups and then you just pick the best one which mm. i think is fantastic that that's that option alone is what like blew my mind on this photo mode it's just the ability to s sort of mix you know change the time of day it's like why doesn't everybody do this yeah it's so i think good. they might from now on i wonder if um because <clears throat> you know on pc there are there are photo modes available for yeah. witcher to to install i don't know <clears throat> that breaks your heart but I wonder if some of those have um, have the ability to to muck around with um, time of day and all that stuff. I think there's. Um, I've been because I follow all these developers on Twitter. They've been retweeting some scenes from what looked like Velen, but covered in snow. Ah, so that's okay. definitely wow. somebody's either modded it mm. or they've got some option there. I think there's with the PC version in particular, you've got the ability for people to mod, of course, and they can change weather effects and stuff like that, which. You know, this is where I'm like green with envy at this point. <laughs> we've got the the Witcher shows to do down the line later this year, and I cannot wait. Mm. But my only real point of contention with that game is it doesn't have a photo mode. Because <laughs> if you'd put a photo mode in there, I'd probably have spent another hundred hours playing that game just to get that perfect picture. You know. Yeah. But this is like you continually complaining about the fact that Dragon's Dogma isn't available in high resolution, but it's because you haven't got a PC. I know, and the <laughs> argument for PC game, like that, that renders my argument about against PC gaming obsolete. Every time you bring up the Witcher photo <laughs> mode and Dragon Dogma, Dragon's Dogma on PC, it's just like, yeah. you know. All right, next up, we have a request from Twitter, uh, and I mainly included this because it was a request from Twitter. Um, we often say, we always say pretty much, that you can request your favourite tracks, or not even your favourites, but curios and oddities and things that you want to hear us play and talk about on a podcast. But Twitter is such a place, so follow us at Kane and Rince. If you use the hashtag Sound of Play... Uh, we're more likely to see it and remember it that it's uh, for this show. Uh, the user in question is, I think, at Lirthel or Lurthel. Uh, and there were no words to go with the request, but Lirthel or Lurthel. I also don't know which gender uh, they are. Uh, wanted to hear I Kiss Your Hand, Highness, Mika Phase 4 from uh, Senko no Ronde Disunited Order, which is an Arcade and 360 uh, shmup from 2009. Uh, so enjoy this.
is by Yasuhisa Watanabe, who's uh, the name I'm not, you know, super familiar with, but um, the work of uh, Yasuhisa Watanabe is uh, known from the work their work with uh, G Rev and Taito. Um, I think probably one of the many people who have come under the Zuntata umbrella um, and has composed music for uh, games like Layer Section and and uh, other shooters, renowned arcade shooters. A real change of tone now. I listened to this uh, last night ahead of um, making this podcast. Now, I actually, I own this game and I lent the copy that I own to Jay to play, uh, but I'm not, I haven't yet played it. So I hadn't heard this tune before, but I thought it was absolutely tremendous. So uh, tell us about this and where it fits in the game and what you like about it. One thing that really struck me about sort of Dishonored 2 is throughout various parts of the game on, on, on different levels, you'll encounter these, well, they're, they're labeled the Karnaka street performance. Mm-hmm. And they're basically a guy and a woman busking yeah. in the street. And they sing these full songs there. And I love this stuff. I always love finding these 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 things in games, you know, you these little musicians like or buskers. Oh, in a tavern it. kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Now they've they've got some fantastic ones in the horizon and Witcher. <laughs> but um, And Breath of the Wild. But these <laughs> Yeah, have they? Yeah, there's a there's a there's a there's a bird. There's a great character. There's a uh, right. a bird who um who plays songs. Yeah. See, that's not helping me with the <laughs> I'm not buying a Wii U or I'm buying a Switch anytime soon <laughs> argument. <laughs> but it's like, but um, it, you so these performers like crop up all the time. Now the only what really bugs me about this stuff is, as you said, that it's a great song. And all there's, I think, three or maybe four tracks that they sing mm. throughout the game. None of them are available on the soundtrack album. So I've had to resort to get this track from PC gamers who've extracted the audio files. And I feel mm. that, like, I feel that's a really, it's a, it's a shame because these are really good songs. Like, they're real, and they're really evocative within the game's sort of environment mm. and setting. And they are actually about, stuff so the level that you're on um is in the mining district and the song silver and dust right. is about the miners yeah. and stuff so the the these are very specifically written i don't know who wrote them now it was difficult to find credits maybe they are buried somewhere in the sort of massive names mm. at the end but daniel licht is the composer for dishonored 2 so i don't know if he's the person who was uh, oh. responsible for the, the song or the male theme, vocal so. who, who are the male and female vocalists um, i believe mm. that they're just they're possibly voice actors who do other characters right okay um the guy in particular doesn't sound like a particular like he's got a really rough it's like tom waits or something kind of thing going yeah, on yeah which is one of the things that i really like it struck me yeah you know? and it's the contrast between his rumblings and the the sweetness of the female voice that's yeah. one of the appealing things yeah about. and the very simple kind of um you know sort of instrumentation on there as well i think one of them's got like a fiddle and the other's got a guitar or something in in the in the game so it's very sort of, and, and, and the song sort of has that simplicity about it, but it's really good. It's really like, yeah. And a shame that they don't put these songs on the soundtrack yeah. albums because they should. I really would love to know why they don't. Like maybe, the, like, I don't understand it. It's, it's a song that is specifically written for the game. Mm. It is within the game soundtrack. So why is it not on? Yeah. I mean, the, the Cantina maybe band got- was, on, uh, was on the original Star Wars uh, yeah. OST, I'm, wasn't it? So 
Yeah. Licensing and stuff can be really complicated, I guess. It's like, you know, if if they put it on the soundtrack album, then those voice actors who may have just been paid for yeah. their work at the time mm. would have to then get some kind of it could be something like um, that. Yeah. residual or royalty or something. Mm. So there could be that kind of thing that just sort of hinders these things getting up. But it's like, no, pay them, pay them, because it's a good song and it sells more copies of the album, I'm sure. Fortunately, you know, but- we have YouTube and we have Sound of Play. So, yeah. Yeah, please enjoy Silver and Dust. found that totally evocative as i say even as somebody i played dishonored one we did a podcast Mm. about it some time ago yet to play dishonored two properly uh but i was immediately taken to yeah maybe it was completely the wrong setting but in my head i was i felt like i was somewhere interesting and and textured and and oh yeah and atmospheric that's something that those games like so is visually arresting right from the start like I, i found that with the whole sort of visual style of the first game um and the second game is is pretty much the same it's just like you know that whole kind of really evocative sort of uh architecture in the in the in the buildings and in the mm. towns and, and the, consistent the as well yeah it's yeah. like 
yeah, it's the thing that always, I mean, it's visual design is the thing that has always stood out to me the most about the Sonic because it has a really kind of unusual character design as well. But I mean, maybe the second game, is, oh, I don't know, the second game is probably just as, as interesting as the first. It's just that like Corvo as a character is quite normal looking and, and Emily and it's like all the other characters seem somewhat on the, the, the air on the side of grotesque at times, you yeah. know, they've got this weird sort of way of, depicting them but yeah good game mm. all right so this next one a complete change as we like to do on sound of play of uh, style tone era uh, and genre uh, this was uh, effectively a leftover it's actually a request from quite some time ago from the forum uh, from code monkey uh, but when we did our 1990 show uh, i chopped one 1990 request out and that's this one so we must hear it uh, and it's from Puznik. Code Monkey says, I had this on the Atari ST. It was a match two puzzle game where you had to clear all the shapes before progressing to the next level. Gameplay wise, I wasn't hooked and found it to be just an okay game. But this is a very fun tune. I never played this in the arcade, but it reminds me of sitting in a dark, smoky arcade in the 90s. And this is Music One, uh, as interpreted from the original coin op, I believe, uh, by Tim Follin. From Puznik on the Amiga specifically, the Amiga version uh, that may have had the uh, the split stereo left and right. Apologies if that does your head in a bit, but it's only a short tune and and a very funky one. Uh, I must see if I can find out who composed the original arcade music for Taito, because um, all while that's very distinctively a Tim Follin piece, uh, I think, as I say, I think that was an interpretation of something from the original arcade machine. But that was the era when Ocean were doing these really accurate uh, Amiga conversions of uh, of coin-ops. Uh, and I remember having the demo of Puznik, but I never got around to getting the, the full game. You know, given given how many times we've had a Tim Follin track mm. on this show, we should really get him on for an interview at some point. <laughs> yeah, he's. Um, I believe he's. Uh, he was never very. Uh, he never had a lot of affection about video games or his video game work. So I've been mm. slightly shy of approaching him. I don't know if um, if he's uh, you know around and available for interviews. Mm. Obviously, as always, uh, shy bands getting out, and there's no harm in asking. So, um, yeah, why not? I, I will see if I can track him down and uh, get him to wax lyrical about some of his mm. his uh, computer game stuff. Because yeah, he's um, a real favourite among 
the team who who yeah. love eight and sixteen bit and and the uh, community as well. Another favourite composer uh, <laughs> uh, for, for uh, yeah, certainly I, yeah. I just you just put, pick this so you can have another go at saying uh, Marcin's name, right? Oh, I wish I could. I've, <laughs> I, I like the thing is we've like Kai's got a Polish colleagues, so yeah. I keep meaning the next time I see them to get how you pronounce these names. My ignorant Western tongue cannot sort of get my sort of head around how this is pronounced. So Shibilovitz. Possibly quite close. You just, you I think just I've never... tried something along those lines before. Yeah, yeah but uh, yeah, I can't appear on a sound of play without having a Witcher 3 track. No. As, as I think Josh is the same as well. I think every time he's on, he's got to yeah. name check that soundtrack because it is so, so good. Um, and it's epic as well because you've got the, this is actually the track I've chosen is from the last expansion, the uh, Blood and Wine. Yeah. And um, so I chose this, the track called Searching for Cecilia Belence, which takes place in a certain part of the game. But the reason I like this track is, and I believe I'm right in thinking this, that it's a hurdy-gurdy. Ah. And I love these these instruments. They are, they are mind-blowing, really. Um, they sound kind of really unusual. In 2015, uh, Kai's work had a Christmas party, and it was a medieval theme. And... They had, as you entered the where they had it, they had a, a minstrel playing, and he was playing a hurdy gurdy, and I was fascinated with this because I don't think I'd ever seen one in no reality. You know, I'd, I'd heard the name. Well, you know, how can you? I mean, the name alone sort of like is memorable, you know. But you look at these these instruments, and given that I think the first recorded um, mention of this kind of instrument is in the ninth century. They are they are insanely mm. technical. You yeah, know? yeah, sci-fi. Just, yeah, they look like a modern instrument. They've got a keyboard on them. You know, you've got keys. You've got like you know, you're you're cranking the, the sound. I think what it, I, I I don't fully understand how they work. I think there's plenty of stuff on YouTube that explains this. But it seems that you've got this this um, this thing that you turn this crank. Yeah. that then vibrates the strings and then you get the notes by pressing these keys. So it's, it, it kind of has an almost uh, accordion sound. It's, it's such an unusual instrument. But, you know, you look at these things and they're like, how the hell did people in the ninth century come up with this amazing, like, instrument? But they just, yeah, so this track just has this sort of, every time I hear it, that's all I hear on it is that main kind of, sound that the 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 is emanating from one of these things and yeah it just it's probably my favorite track from that score for the expansion just because it's got that instrument in it
so we will be covering The Witcher 3 uh, and and its predecessors before this, but The Witcher 3 in uh, Kane and Rinse Podcast 292 and the two substantial add-ons in Kane and Rinse Podcast issue 300 right at the end of the year. Uh, and that was Searching for Cecilia Bellant uh, from Blood and Wine. And Jay, do you remember the video game for the PS2 that was called Hurdy Gurdy? No, I don't. <laughs> but did it have anything to do with the instruments? Or well, I don't know. I'm I'm curious. The it was it was a, an odd game with uh, that received a, a kind of mixed reception. It was a um, sort of puzzly game that involved herding animals. It was by Core yeah. Design. In... Oh, was it Herdy as in H? E-R-D. It was, yes. Right. Okay. Yeah, and um, it so it came out, I think, around the same time as uh, Tomb Raider Angel of Darkness. Um, but Peter Connolly was the main uh, composer on it, along with Martin Iveson, and mm. um, as well as doing the, the music for Hurdy Gurdy, he also did uh, Tomb Raider Last Revelation and Chronicles and Angel of Darkness and, and more recently worked on Watch Dogs. Um, but I've got I've to guess, despite having never played the game, I, I'd like to think that he would have employed, or they, I should say, him and Martin Iveson would have employed some actual Hurdy Gurdy sounds in the in the OST. So, well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? I mean, come on, you know. Exactly. You'd have to, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, I, w- I will look into that OST for a future uh, for a future sound of play. See if we can find some more <laughs> hurdy gurdy. Hurdy special, like yeah. issue one hundred. Yeah. Could happen. Could happen. Uh, this next theme is uh, played by a real orchestra, as we discussed in the relatively recent uh, Kane and Rince podcast. Issue 257, which was all about uh, The Legend of Zelda, Skyward Sword. It was our penultimate in our long-running Zelda series, uh, at least until we return with Breath of the Wild at some point in the future, when all the DLC has come out for that and so on and so forth. Uh, and, yeah, this is another a, a kind of comedy uh, piece of music for a, for a, a light... Uh, it's got a comic relief character. Uh, this is requested by Sean S. Thomas from the forum, canarince.com slash forum, who says, All these Canarince podcasts and the 30th anniversary of Zelda have made me want to replay a game in a series I was a bit unsure on, so I plumped for Skyward Sword. I'm much more into game music now, though, and I've been struck by how great the soundtrack is already, only two hours in. There's the usual epic themes and beautiful interludes you'd expect of the series, but I'd forgotten how good Zelda is as a series of injecting humour too. When you first meet Groose and hear this tune, you know more about him from the almost sarcastic flat notes that sounds like blowing raspberries than you do his dialogue. Thank you. 
That was Groose's theme by one or more of Hajime Wakai, Shiho Fuji, Mahito Yokata, and Takeshi Hama. A lot of people worked on the music for The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Uh, and yeah, we spent a lot of hours playing it, and it seemed like a pretty epic game until I started playing Breath of the Wild. It was hmm. uh, it was uh, like sixty hours start to finish for Skyward Sword when I finally got around to playing it uh, earlier this year or late last year, whichever it was. And uh, and I thought, wow, that'll be the longest Zelda I'll play for a while. Uh, but no, uh, now I'm playing one where it's sixty hours, and I've only done one of the dungeons. So. Wow, yeah. sounds epic. It is epic. Yeah. So how many hours did you put into Horizon Zero Dawn to get your platinum? I'm going to guess. Well, actually, I don't need to guess because I do. I have a rough idea because yeah. my saves have a timestamp on them. Okay. So my first playthrough was, I think, 62 hours. And then my second playthrough is 57. Mm. So, Did you play it yeah. on a higher difficulty the second time or anything like that? I'm sure there was a difficulty setting at the beginning, but I honestly can't remember. It doesn't require um, it for Platinum then? No. In a way, amongst many refreshing aspects of this game, i.e. a game where there's no talk of uh, expansions and DLC no. pre-release, oh, right. um, it was a pretty straightforward Platinum as well. Like there's, You'll get like three quarters of them by just playing through the story, um, doing the side missions as well. But it it's probably... And I, it's not a criticism because it's really refreshing to have a game where you can complete it and get all the trophies. Not yeah. that I'm really one who chases it, but I've got a few games where I'm like, I've got one or two trophies left to get, but they are a nightmare, yeah. you know? And yeah. it's just, it, it's off-putting. It's not that you really enjoy doing it, you know? You, you feel like it's almost, you're almost at that 100% and there's this sense of I should get it, but... It, you're not really going to enjoy that final experience of just trying to complete, you know, for the completionist aspect. But, you know, Horizon, I enjoyed every moment of it and I didn't have, I didn't feel worn out by it in any way. So, you know, credit to Gorilla for making the trophies pretty straightforward rather than hmm. sort of convoluting the system. But so this next track, and it, what what's interesting, so what we're seeing a lot of now with soundtracks is where it's multiple composers and multiple different musicians from different sort of um, with different skill sets mm. bringing in to create what is, a, you know, a great soundtrack. I, I guess it's something that's been around. I mean, judging by, you know, the, some of the Nintendo tracks that we've had from way back, you know, multiple mu uh, composers cited for that. You know, I don't I might, maybe it's the same, same, um, uh, philosophy behind it mm. but what we're seeing like with horizon and again i don't necessarily do this deliberately but the witcher comparisons are there <laughs> in a lot of ways but it's like the same with their soundtrack there was like four composers but they brought in like a folk band called percival who did a lot of that stuff who did some really standout tracks for it but it creates this soundtrack where the different regions and different areas feel different they have a different sound different things have a different vibe to them Mm. And it creates this, it creates like an audio texture to the game that we're seeing a lot more. And maybe it's just the budgets are bigger and they can afford to do it now. But with Horizon, I think there's four, you've got four main composers. So you've got guy. so you've got Yoris the Man, who's yep. clearly got history with, with the Killzone soundtracks and stuff with yeah. Gorilla. Uh, Nils van der Liet. And you've got a band. Well, I say a band, they're, they're a group, 
two guys based in East London called The Flight. Mm -hmm. um, along with, they've got other people cited within the credits. So Circle Percussion, which are almost like, um, well, they're a percussion group. Yeah. But they sound very Tycho-esque, you know, so you've got this kind of, there's a, there's one tracks in a particular part of the game where you've got what sound like huge taiko drums beating nice. and stuff like that which you know they brought these guys these guys are on several of the tracks and you've got um a guy called jonathan williams now he's worked with gorilla before with with kills on two and he did um he he specializes it seems in choral stuff right and there's yeah. four tracks um and this a slight tangent here but this is why I, this is one of the things that i love about these games now so there's a point in the game there's a city called meridian if you go into the city you can find what is called the temple of the sun and they've got these priests there and if you go dawn midday and evening or dusk rather you'll see um these priests singing this song and there's a different track depending on the time they they sing so they've got this like male choir thing going on but it's it's they're beautiful and i was actually really torn about whether you know what track to use for out of the soundtrack because mm. it is a great score but um you know and you've got that and it's just the fact that they changed the song the song they sing is different depending on the time of day and you can completely you, you pretty much could completely miss this like yeah but they've done it and I, this is this is what i love about these games is finding these things and thinking wow, they put so much work and effort into these little moments. And it's it's that that really resonates with me is, is I, I can never not appreciate that stuff. You know, just as a, as a player, when the developers uh, just really, you feel like they're putting their heart and soul into this game. Mm. And yeah, it, it just it hits it, you know, and it's just like, wow. But so the track I've picked is called The Hand of sun and jewels in brackets, Karja traditional. I don't mm. quite get what that refers to. Is but a Karja like, a race or a place? Or? Yeah, so you, you've got different sort of um, tribes mm. or societies within the game. So you've got the Karja, right. which are... So um, it's saying, it's suggesting that it's an old piece that the Karja sing uh, as well, a, tr a traditional tends, piece of music. Maybe it's, yeah, I've noticed that this track tends to play when you're in Meridian. So when you're walking around the market area and stuff, it's like you tend to hear this going off in the background and stuff. Mm. So, you know, and I think there's, there's similar things for, so you've got four main groups within the, um, within the game. So you've got Aloy or Aloy is part of, or sort of connected to the Nora tribe. And then you've got the Ozaram, you've got the um, Banuk, and they all have this really distinct visual style and the mm -hmm. cards are kind of reminiscent of like Inca or, or Aztecian sort of cultures. But the flight, um, they've actually worked on games before. So they, they're involved with Alien Isolation. Oh, right. Hmm. So these two guys, I think it's uh, their names, Joe Henson and Alexis Smith. Now, both of those were involved. They're cited as composers for the Alien Isolation score, along with Christian Henson which I'm assuming is the brother. Mm -hmm. But these two guys, are, are they're known as um, The Flight. Yeah. So they've done a whole bunch of stuff for this soundtrack as well, which they tend to work, whether as the Yoris Demand stuff is like the big orchestral stuff. Yeah. Their stuff tends to be more acoustic-y kind yeah. of, you know, it feels like smaller in scale. It's got a more intimate, yeah, so intimate feel to the music. But mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, and it, it works. And, and, you know, having... You know, it's something that, like, along with The Witcher, and I, I, 
you know, and probably many games nowadays where they've got multiple people working on scores to bring different things to the table, it really works. Like, yeah, makes for a really interesting soundtrack to video games these days. So that was Your Hand of Sun and Jewels, Cardra Traditional, by The Flight from Horizon Zero Dawn. Now, in our fashion that we like to do, a crashing juxtaposition from the sublime to the ridiculous, because uh, the next piece is, uh, this is a warning, it's probably going to be a little harsh on your ears, but hopefully we'll keep the original spirit intact. So we've had discussions about this recently um, on some of our other Sound of Play shows, which is uh, PC speaker music. Um, And you can only ever record it, I suppose, in uh, sort of uh, simulated way, because you can't, unless you actually put a microphone up against an old PC and have it coming out, then you're listening to an interpretation thereof. But, But we were particularly talking about um, how Lucasfilm games in particular seemed to uh, make more effort with their PC speaker music. I guess they knew that a lot of people who wanted to play Lucasfilm games adventures weren't the sort of people who would have spent money on an ad-lib sound blaster, you know, sound card for their PC, which was something you used to have to think about when you bought a PC. It wasn't just uh, it wasn't just the graphics card you had to think about. You had to think about your sound component as well. Uh, and so uh, I felt this was appropriate. I always uh, like to try, if we can, to have a spread of music from uh, the various decades. So this is this is uh, this podcast's eighties piece from nineteen eighty eight. Nick Turner thirteen says on the forum, "I remember my old three eight six PC with a whole two megabytes of RAM and a forty megabyte hard drive pumping this tune out through its sole PC speaker back in the day. The whole PC vibrated to the music, and it felt so epic at the time." 
My PC speaker used to vibrate massively at one specific note, best exemplified in the Quest for Glory theme tune, but I can't seem to find a PC speaker version of that tune anywhere. So this will make do as a close second place. And this is from Zach McCracken and the Alien Mind Benders. Mouth benders, uh, the PC speaker main theme. It starts with uh, the lead character, Zach McCracken, uh, snoring. That's the particularly harsh sound, but stick with it and it turns into an actual piece of music by Matthew Allen Kane. played the Amiga versions of those early LucasArts games, Zap McCracken, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, Monkey Island. Uh, so I was missing out somewhat in terms of um, potential graphics, uh, the SVGA versions, um, but I did at least have, uh, I, I had automatically had sound because I had an Amiga which had a, a built-in sound, no, no sound blasters and all that sort of thing going on. What a strange time where, uh, yeah, if you didn't have a PC that had an audio card, you would be listening to it being farted out of your actual box hardware. It's a, it sounds pretty much as antiquated as a hurdy-gurdy mm. at this point. <laughs> i got to say, though, that track is awesome. Yeah, um, it's a great tune. I listened, yeah, I listened to it before we were recording because I, I was just curious. Um, but it's it, it's amazing how modern it sounds as yeah. well. You know, I love that kind of really dirty, farty bass sound that it's <laughs> yeah, got as well. It's definitely just, got that. Yeah. We're at the point now where, where uh, we, we, when, when I was talking to uh, Kenny Young, a few Sound of Plays back, uh, he was talking about how he incorporated certain uh, sounds of technology into the pod in Little Big Planet. And uh, yeah, it is now at the point where the sounds of old modems firing up and mm. things like that are almost, yeah, like there's a, there's a, there's a, almost primal nostalgia to it now which seems crazy considering really in the grand scheme it's incredibly modern technology have you seen that youtube video where the guy specializes in using i think it's disk drives yeah and he, yeah. he basically makes tunes out of the noises he, he sets up this bank of disk drives and he's he got them all that, kind of 
Yeah, Kenny Young actually talked about that. I was saying we, um, I heard the the, the Imperial March done yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's completely insane. It's, um, I, I don't even know how you begin to set something like that up, but uh, yeah, <laughs> what a strange world we live in. Mm. Oh, it was stranger still. 40, 40 meg hard drive, man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's even smaller. Moaning about I a know. terabyte, you know. <laughs> it's like... My my Amiga twelve hundred had an eighty meg hard drive, so that's yeah, that's really really small. <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> Uh, it's a strange world indeed, but you can find some sanity over at canandrince.com slash forum. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, on Facebook. We have a page, of course. You could even email us, uh, podcast at canandrince.com. Uh, if you want to do a request, make a request, ask for a particular piece of music. As you have heard, we will play pretty much anything. Uh, we avoid the the most obvious licensed tunes from Guitar Hero and racing games and whatever that tunes that were famous because they were by David Bowie or Green Day or whoever else. Uh, we don't play many of those, as you can hear. It's more about uh, games are strongly associated with, if not exclusively, mm-hmm. from video games. Um, please subscribe to this podcast if you don't already, and do leave us an iTunes review or rating. It might not seem that important, but it is actually really, really helpful. Uh, the Apple algorithms that dictate how high your podcast goes in the charts and therefore is seen by more people uh, is influenced not only by the number of downloads you get, but also by how many five-star ratings and how many reviews and how much general interaction there is. So if you do like what we do, please support us in that way. Or just as great, if not better, uh, is to throw a dollar or so a month our way via our Patreon patreon.com slash rinse and you can contribute towards the many hours of podcasting that we do with both this and Cader Rinse plus our interview specials and all that sort of thing um, and everything gets ploughed back into making more and more and us doing it because we love it but it does take an enormous amount of time so it just remains for me to thank Jay thanks Jay and for <laughs> editing all the Sound of Play podcasts that I'm on because I don't know how to do it Uh, and thank all our community contributors as well please keep them coming sound of play ain't going nowhere Uh, and now this final track i listened to this three times in a row last night because absolutely (laughs) banging i uh, i don't know if i'd ever heard it before i i was one of those people who had the demo for the ghost in the shell game uh also known as Megatech Body uh, in Japan. Um, I had a demo, it was off an official PlayStation magazine, wasn't it? And it had the intro anime and a little bit of um, gameplay and it was a kind of fairly uh, ropey tank shooter, as I recall. Yeah, it was, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Because I was the same. I had the demo Mm. and I bought the game, but not because of the the gameplay, but because I loved the intro animation at the start, which was production IG. And I think it was the first time, because it was like 98, I think it was 98 when I got my hands on the demo, um, that it was the first one where I saw real CG, where they were incorporating CGI into the animation as well. Mm. Um, And I was really impressed by that. And I loved the track that, that played over the intro so much that I ended up. So it was about the time that I, it was the year that I moved to London and then I had the likes of uh, forbidden planet available to me. So yeah. when I was in there one day, I saw that they had the soundtrack to this on the shelf, 25 quid for a CD hmm. for import. 
because this yeah. is pre well pre torrent pre internet pre everything you know so when yeah, when in, no entertainment actually costs money yeah yeah real and a lot of it as well i mean i bought the the actual soundtrack to the ghost in a shell film at the time as well which was um another 25 quid cd which you know because these things are only available in import yeah. and what can you do uh and i bought the game but i have i gotta say that i thought the game was kind of really janky yeah as hell, but it's it didn't like, review terribly well it was I, I remember people being very excited for it partly because of the the presentation as you say mm. but partly because the idea of playing as major or someone like major in a game sounded pretty cool but the yeah. game didn't let you play as major is that right or was it no well no you well you play as the tachikoma sort of the sort of um the ai assisted tanks that yeah you've got. and i don't even i think the major is meant to be inside them right but you're you know it's vague at best i mean it's been a long time since i sat and put it on because it's it looks awful now but um but they've made several ghost in the shell games over the years but i don't think any of them have ever really hit their mark at all no there was one on the ps2 that i remember i was really tempted to pick up at one point and then watch some gameplay and decided against it almost immediately because yeah. i just figured i'd be throwing money away but mm -hmm. um but this this track by um, Takyu Ishino, who is, if you're into your Japanese musicians, he's a member of Denki Groove, who are like a Japanese electronica hip hop group. Um, I can't say I'm familiar with them at all, but this this one track, thumping. Yeah. And in fact, I spent twenty five quid on a soundtrack CD where, quite honestly, the rest of the tracks you, I could do without because it's <laughs> they're kind of they don't really stick out like this one does. But this is like six minutes and forty-five seconds of just like thumping beats and stuff, and I, 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 I don't know. I just love it. I thought it was kind of timely because as much as I would have loved to put another Horizon Zero Dawn yeah. track to finish off, I, I just figured that uh, no, let's go for something different. And because of the, partly because of the live-action film that had been released recently, it was just like you know. This has been Sound of Play 94. Ryan will be with you next time, I assume, I imagine. I think that's the plan. But until then, we'll leave you with six, nearly seven minutes of thumping futuristic beats from 20 years ago by uh, Taku Ishino. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.